As we think about these verses in Titus, please lift the the Bible and follow along with me as we work through this together. Um, A number of years ago in Southern California, there was a a deluge of rain, which can happen from time to time in the the south part of that that, that state in America. The storm on this particular occasion was called El Nino. And with these, um, these massive downpours that are really quite sudden, one of the potential dangers are mudslides. And this deluge of rain came unexpectedly in the night, uh, many years ago. And as the, the rain fell down, mudslides began to happen. And when there's one family home, the mum, dad and their little baby were living in one of their homes, and this mudslide came right through the back of the house, and swept the house away. The new parents and their baby. In the middle of the night, the, the shock, the, the parents, as they, they, they eventually stopped with this mudslide, the parents were able to escape, if you like, and, and get out. And they searched in the darkness for hours. Searching amongst the muck and the rubble, listening out, calling out. Through the night, as the, the sun began to come up in those early hours, it became quite apparent the utter devastation that this mudslide caused. But as it got brighter, they were able to see other people looking for other things of their own property as well. And then later on that morning, a rescuer came covered in mud, and he approached the parents with a mud bundle in his arms and handed over the baby. Filthy. But alive. Just. And as the rescuer gave the baby into the mother's arms. What does the mother do? She clings desperately to her little baby. She started to clean the mud off his face. And off the clothes. And despite of all the mud and all the filth. The mother held that baby so tightly. And that family moved far away to Ohio. To get away from it. Potential dangers in the future. A wee bit like us, that is a wee bit like our story as believers, isn't it? We have a muddied, filthy past, but we have a rescuer. One who cleans us up, who gives us life again, as it were, but also gives us a future of no danger. We are cleaned up. And we're called to stay out of the muck of this world, knowing that glory awaits us as his people. We have this muddy past. We live in a muddied world. But as Christians, how are we to live? We are to live as godly lives, that God's grace, as we experience it, leads to godliness. How? How should our muddied lives change? What should motivate us in all of this to live godly lives? Well, this passage that Paul writes to Titus helps us. It's like there's a twin engine here that is to drive us to live for Jesus. In verse 11, what do we see there? We see the grace of God has appeared. Verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have this past grace and this future glory. That is what drives us to to live for Jesus. This word appearance is a 
the word where we get epiphany from. This is an epiphany for us. These things, like they would have used this word whenever the sun rose. That it was a new day, it was a new dawn. And for us living as Christians, we have this sunrise of Christ has already appeared. And this sunset, if you like, that's going to appear in the future of God's glory. Other religions, they cannot offer hope and grace. But for us, grace appears. Or there's an epiphany of grace in Jesus Christ as a person. And that is what motivates us. Our past grace and our future glory. So, so what? So as we work our way through, this is our first thing. That we are to pursue gospel living. Pursue gospel living. As we've worked our way through this, we've thought about the, the doctrine, what we believe, but also how we're to live our lives. That they go hand in hand in this regard. So the last time we thought about the older men not being grumpy, but examples to the younger men. And same for the ladies. That the younger ones are, are to look up and, and to admire and, and to learn from these older folks. That the elders are to stand out in their, yes, in their, what they believe, but in how they live their lives. And we are to live this as well because of God's grace. That because God's grace is Jesus in action in our very own lives. It is linked all together. So as we pursue this gospel living, we do it because we belong to God. We have a belonging, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The grace of God, his unmerited favour, God's goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his love, demonstrated to undeserving sinners like you and me, has appeared. It's Jesus. It's made known to us this perfect atonement that every sin on him is laid, that it brings us salvation. That this salvation that Paul is talking about is an eternal provision for his people. It's an eternal provision for God's children. And it's for all men or for all people. All kinds of people, whether rich or poor, whatever nationality or language they speak, Paul is saying it's for all the people in Crete. The drunkards and the gluttons, the the prostitutes in the temple, it's for all of them. It's for all of us as well. Jesus died for his people and he makes his people his people. We belong to Christ and we have to act as if we're part of his family. It's a story told, isn't there? I think it was the queen mother and the royal family used to sit down all the the girls before there was an event and told them how they were to act. Maybe some members of the royal family could do that still. They're to act like the royal family. And we are to act like the royal family of Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, because we are to pursue this gospel life, it comes out in our behavior. So look at verse 12. So we've learned about this grace, this marvelous grace of verse 11. And then Paul says that this grace is training us. You see, it's out of the grace In which we live our lives. It is gospel living. Not good living. Small distinction. But one flows out of the hope of glory. To come in the future. And what Jesus has already done. Good living just being good for good sake. We live for Jesus. Because of who we are. Because of Jesus. 
And this training is like a coaching. It's a personal training. It's like teaching a child one-on-one. This is what God's grace teaches us. It coaches our behavior to be like Jesus. What does Paul say here? We are to renounce. We are to reject some things. What are we to reject as God's people? He says, ungodliness and worldly passions or worldly desires. This lifestyle of irreverence and learning to say no and learning to hate our sin. We are to reject, aren't we, certain actions and behaviors. And we all know some of the big ones, if you like. But we are to reject our internal impulses. Our impulse to, to lust, our impulsiveness to, to be angry or to be constantly be ambitious or, or hatred towards others. Because those impulses affect our speech and our actions, don't they? If we're angry and that impulse overtakes us, we let it know in our words or our actions. That ambition, we put others down and try and promote ourselves. That lust leads us to our eyes to, to wander. We reject this and reject this craving of wealth and of power, of self-gratification. Because all those things are the wrong motives, isn't it? Because what is our motive? It's the twin engine, isn't it? The past grace and this future glory. We need the image of our mind of belonging to Jesus. How our salvation came to be. That and what awaits for us in Jesus so that helps us to, to motivate ourselves, to, to be pursue this gospel living as we reject the world and as we accept these other things that Paul says. Self, that we would live self-controlled, that with ourselves, with what we consume, our consumption, that we control how we, what we watch, what we listen to, what we see, how we react. That we're self-controlled, that we're upright with others. That our relationships with others are straight. They're honest. They're genuine. That people respect us because of who we are. That we're not trying to cheat people. We're not trying to get one over on people. But people say, well, they're not a standout guy, but they're an upright guy. And we have this godliness with God, our, our relationship with Him, that we are praying. They are reading that we are learning portions of scripture to help us with sin. Because wouldn't these four or five verses be incredible for us to learn? To store up in our heart to help us reject the world and accept God's ways? See, we are only able to pursue gospel living because of the grace of Jesus. And then secondly, because we have a hope for Jesus' return. Hope is Jesus' return. Let's think about our behavior. As we live our lives, as we go through our lives, we are prisoners of the present, aren't we? We are captured by the current and we are imprisoned by the immediate because that is all that's in our minds always, isn't it? Our holiday and our caravanning, all the, the cars we might want or the hotel breaks, our, our bank balances, our herd, our land, our career, our health problems, they absorb every moment of our lives. And we're imprisoned by the immediate. We are to, to look back, aren't we? To Christ's first appearance. But so often we do that. And we do that Sunday by Sunday. But often we neglect his future appearance, don't we? 
where one day he will totally transform us and keep us forever. We have that future hope. And that future hope is to help with our current realities that we set our hearts not on things on earth, but on the things above. Let's be really straight tonight. What do you want? Would you rather have everything you'd ever want on life on this earth or to see the glory of Jesus in eternity? How are we living? Are we living to die? Or are we dying to self to live? See, we have this blessed hope, verse 13, that Paul talks about. We're waiting on it. We are to be looking for it. We are to have an eager expectation that Christ is going to come. Because what is Christ going to do in that day? Well, verse 14, he's going to purify us, isn't he? He's going to cleanse us, I might say in your version. He's going to purify us that Jesus himself has given himself up for us already. He has redeemed us, sorry. He has paid a ransom for us. Paul is talking about the slave trade here, isn't he? Where it's common practice to, to purchase a slave for your own home. Paul is saying, well, Jesus has paid for you. He has paid for you and he has released you to serve him, to lead this godly life. How does he pay for us? Well, in the same way that he purifies us and washes us clean. That he washes away our sin, the stains, the dirt, the muck. It's his blood that he gave himself up for me. Incredible grace and place of us. Where all the mud is gone. Where Jesus cleanses us. And that we would have a new and greater love for him. As he looked forward to that blessed hope of being utterly purified. And being like Jesus. So as we hope for Christ's return. As he purifies us. He also makes us his possession. Again in that verse. Gave himself for us to redeem us, to purify for himself a people for his own possession. For we are truly treasured, aren't we? Peter will write that. We are bought and cleansed at a price. But even though we are bought by Jesus' blood, and this evening we go on sinning again just as usual, God doesn't hate us or resent us. If a slave was bought in the marketplace and he did a bad job, they could have been sold on or maybe just killed or thrown out on the streets. But not our God. When he purchases us, he treasures us that we are his very own now. As we look back at all what he has done for us, the length that Christ went to, as we look forward to this hope of Jesus' return, where we will be his treasure possession, coerce, what does that mean for the now? As we live, as our minds wander to our holiday and in our cars and our bank balances, as we're uh, captured by our current circumstances, we're reminded that Christ purifies us and that we will be his people. We hope for his glory. And we will be passionate, won't we? We'll be passionate for Jesus, that we would be, verse 14, zealous. For good works. Not just moseying about, plodding along, which we all do, but zealous.
passionate for Jesus because that is who we belong to. That is who, if you like, we, we, we serve, that we are, we are treasured by the one who paid for us and we ought to treasure him. And we would have a desire not to sin, but to serve him who saved us. We can look back. Past grace. We know the story so well that we forget it in the current. We forget it in the moment and in the now. And we forget about this hope of Christ's glorious return. Where we will see him in all of his glory. And so will every person on this earth. They will see Christ exalted and high and lifted up. And everyone will bend the knee. But we are his treasured people. And we ought to be passionate as his royal subjects. As his royal children. To live like royalty. Not on earth lapping it up in mansions. Because that mansion awaits for us. But the behaving in the way Christ calls us to be. We're to hope for Christ's return as we pursue gospel living. And then finally, and quite briefly, verse 15, we are to preach grace and godliness. Verse 15, there's three things happening here. There's three words, if you like, declare, exhort, rebuke. And Paul is saying we need to do these things. What I've just been talking about, about Christ, what he has done, and what Christ is going to do, and that Christ is going to come back. And in the in-between, because of God's grace experienced, and God's grace to come, we're to live out of God's grace in the now, as his people. That we declare these things. This word declare, I'm not sure what it might be in your translation, but it can be the word to, to speak, like just normal conversation. Like we'll go for coffee and you'll be speaking with one another. And Paul is challenging Titus, and I think all of us here, well, we are to, to declare these things. We are to talk about things and these on our casual conversations with our friends and family, the people that we've already prayed for this evening. That Christ has been. And that Christ is going to come back. And what it means for the here and now. That we exhort. What is that? It's encouraging again. It's to, to coach others in their faith. So think of the older, younger dynamic again. The older men and older women are able to, to get alongside and say, well, this is how you live life like this. This is how you, you manage a home and family. And this is how you, you serve alongside it. That you coach others to look forward to and live godly lives. And in the last one's rebuke, it's much harder. It doesn't have to be with Christians either, does it? It's to correct. That we can say to the world with full and certain confidence that God's way to live life is the best way to live life. As we are gentle and persuasive and, and gracious, we can say, well, this is for you. That yeah, you're, you're chasing after these other gods. Or you're always thinking about the now. But what's next? Are you building up such a large amount in your bank balance. To pass it off to your family. For the government to take the inheritance tax off it. Is that really all you're living for? Well let me show you something else. An eternal riches in Jesus. 
Can't we say that? We know the troubles and problems that people are having, the anxiety and the threats that they feel in their lifestyle. And we have the answer. The past grace and the future glory. Because just like the people that we interact with, and even our own selves, we've been covered in mud. Those behaviours where we ought to say no, we say yes, yes, yes to you all the time. The things that we know we should do as God's royal children, we ignore and we do our own thing. We're not very well behaved children. But because of his past grace, we are now cleansed and cherished by Christ. So how are we going to live? Do we want to live for the here and the now? And be captured by it? Imprisoned? Or do we want to lift our eyes up? Look back at the cross, at the past grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where he died. And look forward to that glorious hope of Christ's return. As we live gospel lives, although we stumble and fall, always remember we are God's cherished possession because of his grace. Let me pray.